Well, hey there, fellow streakers. It is another great day on the Streaking Podcast, and we are so excited because we have a special guest for you. His name is Simon Drew, and he is from Australia, and we are looking forward to talking to him. So let's get streaking. Yay. How you doing, Jamie? I'm great. I'm super excited to sit and just listen to Simon talk with this amazing Australian accent. Which I am as well. Simon, we're so glad to have you on. Just before we have him say anything, I'm going to give you a little bit of introduction because... He's a fantastic individual. Simon Drew is an Australian author, poet, and musician, philosophical mentor, and host and founder of the Walled Garden Podcasting Community, which we're looking forward to hearing a little bit more about. He's been exploring the Greco-Roman philosophical school of Stoicism since 2017, and in late 2021, he published his first book of poetry and prose, The Poet and the Sage, A Journey Beyond the Distant Hills. Simon has a Bachelor of Music from Queensland Conservatorium. Did I get that right? I hope so. You got that right, yeah. Okay, great. Majoring in jazz trumpet and vocal performance, and he is currently studying a Master of Divinity at Trinity College, Brisbane. Simon's mentor and co-traveler, Sharon LaBelle, has called him an intrepid soul traveler due to his wide-ranging artistic, theological, and philosophical explorations. Simon, we are glad to have you here. Welcome. Jeff, Jamie, yeah, thanks so much for having me on. I'm I'm honored to be here, and uh, I've been listening to your show lately, and uh, I love what you guys are doing, and I love your approach and and the guests that you have on. So I, I'm I'm look, I'm just looking forward to this conversation. That's great. We are as well. You know, one of the things that we say say to our streakers when we're talking to them is what one of the important things to do is to recognize who you want to be in other words establish who you want to be so that your streaks or the activities you do on a consistent basis line up with that and therefore you have direction and we thought it'd be a great opportunity to talk to you because of your background that i just read and some of the different studies that you've done but as we get into that share with us a little bit about your journey how did you get to be where you are today you know stoicism and everything else that you've been studying just give us a little bit of your origin story sure yeah well i mean from listening to your previous podcast i get the sense that you guys are open to the full breadth of the story of <laughs> absolutely <laughs> I, i'm gonna go back a little bit farther than what i would usually go uh, in conversations like this back to my 20th birthday because that was a a real kind of aha moment in my life a, a huge turning point for me the kind of the kind of day where you kind of look at your life and you think okay there was me before that day and then there's me after that day and they're not the same thing right so uh basically i was going to university that day i went down to brisbane i was taking the train from the Sunshine Coast to university in the city, which was a two hour trip each way. Um, and that was uh, for about three years. So that was wild. But I got two to university. Trip, two hour trip each way. That's right. Oh wow. my goodness. Okay. So you were- But actually, let me quickly commute. do a side note here, something that you guys might be interested in. I was very entrepreneurial in my approach to the trains, right? Because TransLink, the company that ran the trains and the buses in Brisbane, they had this policy that if you did 10 trips in a week, then the rest of the week was free. And as a university student, I was like, I'm not leaving that money on the table, right? So <laughs> I, I would go down to Brisbane on Monday. Uh, so that would be my first trip. Sunshine Coast to Brisbane. And then throughout the day, I would take like eight more tiny trips 
I would go on a bus and go one stop. <laughs> I'd just walk back to my class, <laughs> take my class, and then I'd go on another one. And then I'd and, and I would just do this over and over and over again. By the end of the day, I had made up my 10 trips and the rest of the week was free. Victory. So I saved it. <laughs> I love it. That is entrepreneurial. Awesome. Yep. <laughs> that, that, was, that was my approach. But anyway, so I get down to university on my on my 20th birthday and my friend Lachlan he uh he says hey there's this guy speaking over in uh over in the town hall uh it sounds like we're back in a medieval village uh but anyway so he says you got to come over and listen to him his name's Eric Thomas he he calls himself the uh, the hip-hop preacher oh wow and uh I was never really into the whole motivation scene um but I thought you know okay I'll go over and I'll take a look so we went over there and it was just such a powerful experience. You know, this guy is mm. such a brilliant speaker, you know, the, 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 the way that he motivates people just to get up off their ass and, you know, do something <laughs> with their lives. Oh my gosh. You know, and <clears throat> I guess the, the thing to mention was before that day, I had only ever really read one or two books all the way through. Like I was a good student, right? And I got excellent grades. Uh, you know, I was I was really uh, uh, a fine student. Pe- people wanted to be around me. People tended to gravitate towards me in everything that I did. But nonetheless, I was a noob when it came to to <laughs> reading and information, actually furthering my expanding my mind. But something that Eric Thomas said that day. <clears throat> really changed the rest of my life. He said that information changes situations and who knows the miracle or the mystery of, <clears throat> you know, mm. why certain words stick out to you at certain times or uh, how you can kind of piece together that little mystery of your life where you'll think back and there's like three sentences that stick out above the rest. But nonetheless, those words stood out to me. Hmm. And over the next year of my life, everything started to change in terms of the expansion of my own mind and my horizons. You know, I read about 80 books in the next year, just really threw myself into it. Wow. Um, I got a $20,000 loan from the government to start a business. It completely flopped, which, you know, ended up to be somewhat of a blessing because that forced me into a position where I had to find a way to make money. And the way that I made money was... I contacted a cruise ship agency and said, Hey, have you got any gigs on cruise ships? I would love to do this. And they said, well, we might be able to find something for you. And I sent in a video and within a month I had literally the best jazz cruise gig that you could ever get. (laughs) It's revered by everybody. It was taking my own jazz quartet onto the largest cruise ship in the world and playing every single night in their jazz club that they have on board. And so that happened over the next year and a half sort of thing. So I was kind of on and off the cruise ships. I did two six month contracts and one, one month contract. And that was in, you know, the Caribbean and the Mediterranean. And, and on that first contract, I actually met my wife from Texas. She walked in the club and uh, our eyes locked. It was that classic, you know, movie moment where That's awesome. <laughs> I'm singing this depressing jazz song about how nothing <laughs> in life is going to turn out. So you might as well not try. That's literally the song that I was singing when we locked eyes. And <laughs> wow. she came up after the gig and said, hey, you playing for the rest of the week? And I said, yes, please come and watch. And uh, and so we just hit it off that week. We sat up talking every single night from after my gig at about midnight until about five in the morning, we would talk in the central garden of the, of the ship, 
yes, there was a central garden on the ship. <laughs> oh, um, my awesome. goodness. <laughs> and so basically from there, um, you know, we moved back to Australia. I brought her over here. Uh, and uh, we've just been living over here since then. And um, I've been on a kind of philosophical journey to discover uh, not only the philosophy of Stoicism, um, although that's a whole story in itself, um, but uh, bringing people into a deeper relationship with the adventure of, of discovering wisdom, I guess, mm, yeah. uh, you know, discovering what it would mean to have wisdom, to have truth, to have uh, you know, beauty in our lives uh, via philosophy. So I'll pause there. I know that's a lot, but I'm. <laughs> what a great story! Uh, that is amazing. That is absolutely amazing. One of the so you said that when you heard him say, "Information changes situations," that that phrase right there, those three words, just unlocked something for you. Is that right? Did I get that right? Yeah, it, it was just one of those moments where you think, "Whoa!" You know, I had never thought in that way before and i never realized the true value that can be gleaned from philosophical exploration although i didn't see it as that at the time you know but what i was trying to do was then to branch out and and broaden my own intellectual horizons and expand my own mind my consciousness and to see who i could become if i decided to actually seek out the right kind of information and that just never occurred to me and and that's that's what's so crazy about words, right? I mean, like, I think one of the best lessons that I learned from Jim Rohn, I love Jim Rohn. I, you know, I think that one of the reasons why I really love Jim Rohn is because he was a personal development leader who was just grounded in wisdom. He, he wasn't out there preaching woo-woo kind of, you know, you can, you can be whatever you want, you can do whatever you want. And, you know, it's just like, he was just, here's some practical wisdom for your life. And he, right. he really you know, awakened me to this idea that words have the power to allow us to see completely differently, which is why we say, you know, I was kind of blind to this, but then he said this and it helped me to see this. You know, there's a reason we kind of use that, that sort of metaphor there. It's because words enlighten the world around us. They re-enchant the world around us. And so for some reason, something within my soul caught onto those words, information changes situations. And you know, the rest is history. It just completely turned things around. At what point did you recognize that that was a pivotal moment? Did you recognize it in the moment or you, you were inspired and so you started to change and then looking back on it, you're like, that was seriously a pivotal moment in, in the direction of my life. It, it was on the day, you know, that day, day I remember so you... going to the library and going to the you know personal development section saying, I'm going to find something here that I can use. And so I got some books on the music industry, you know, I, you know, got some personal development books, started reading those and it just, you know, started searching, searching more, you know, and, and I think that it, it's funny because the, the reason why I go back to that story is because I think that it has a lot to do with the adventure that I'm currently on because really if I see you, you make an interesting point there, was it the day or did you look back on it? See, now I'm looking back on it and I'm saying, you know, something within me was on this search for deeper wisdom in, in my life. And, you know, that search, I mean, it, it, it began with that seed of those first few words, right? right. Information changes situations. But then what, ha what that has grown into is really... I mean, what is it? 
eight years now, eight years of philosophical discovery, trying to see if I can come into a deeper relationship with, with wisdom and, and with beauty and with, you know, uh, uh, broadening this intellectual horizon and helping other people to go on that journey as well. And I mean, it's just, who knows the mystery of that? Why those words stuck out to me at that time? Right. You know? My daughter had a similar, n not as deep and profound of an experience, but a similar experience where somebody said something at a certain time that just changed for her. And for her, it was freshman orientation in college. And um, just in passing, the person doing the orientation said, well, anybody can get an A. And to her, that just changed her perspective that she was like, because she had struggled mm. a little bit in high school with her grades. And... And, and since that moment, literally, she's she has gotten solid A's. It changed the trajectory of the way that she felt about herself and school. And it was interesting because as a parent, I'm thinking back and I'm like, surely I've said that to you at some point. But it's an interesting it's an interesting thing that that a person needs to be ready to hear something and then just said at the right time and the right way. And then I really appreciated what you said about it being a seed. And to me, what I heard as you're talking is that he planted that seed, but it landed in fertile ground in, in your mind and in your heart. And then you really nourished it extensively. And yeah. then now, as you look back, you're like, yeah, that's when that seed was planted. But then I can obviously see that over the last eight years, I, I mean, I've put a huge amount of effort into continuing to have that seed grow. And, and yeah. so that's, that's amazing. I like that. Like that a lot. And that's it. I mean, you know, the, the interesting thing is I, I think that one of the things that it also threw me into was a curiosity and, and this will really align with what you guys are doing, a curiosity about how would I even know when I'm on the right path, mm -hmm. you know, because I, we can kind of just go along with life, just drifting along, you know, heading in the direction that the winds of life push us, you know, and, and in many ways that's, that's sort of what I was doing. I was always somewhat ambitious. And, and, and as I said, you know, I was always a person who people tended to gravitate towards. And I, but, but nonetheless, I think that this just pushed me into an adventure of self-discovery to say, well, let's go on a grand adventure here and really figure out what you want to do. And I mean, if we fast forward to the present day, that self-discovery is still happening. I, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you the origin story of the poet and the sage. Yeah, please. That would be great. That's a weird one to me. <laughs> Another <laughs> one of those moments where you think, what is happening here? You know, because I never considered myself to be a poet at all. Never <laughs> in my life. Nonetheless, <laughs> my father is a poet, a beautiful poet, such a wordsmith, you know, and he writes poems about everybody in the family. So it made sense to me when I started writing poetry that there was something about it that was simply within me, but it still freaked me out because when I was starting to write The Poet and the Sage, I knew that I had always wanted to write a book. That's something that I was really drawn to. Though I always thought, well, at least for the past, say, five or six years, I thought that I would write a book about stoicism or I'd write a personal development book or I'd write you know, some some book here's your 10 steps how to live a happy fulfilling life that sort of thing but then when i started writing 
what came out onto the page, I remember there was one day where I kind of wrote this strange waking dream and, and this waking dream was weird and it's in the book, but it's weird, you know, and it's, it's got deep, deep archetypal symbols and, uh, you know, very strange metaphors and uh, a very strange scene. And, and I, I, I wrote this down and I thought, what the hell is this? <laughs> and Where did this come I, from? <laughs> yeah, literally, it was one of those moments where you, it, it, it was one of my first truly artistic experiences because mm -hmm. the artistic experiences, the artistic experience, if it be true, should be one of allowing something to move through you mm. rather than you forcefully, you know, I'm going to show this or I'm going to do this. And I do think that that is somewhat the difference between, say, art and propaganda, you know, in, 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 in a sense is, uh, you know, is there a letting go in the art and allowing it to be an honest expression? Uh, not that I believe that art is necessarily only about self-expression. I believe it. I stick to what Stephen Jenkinson says, that it is a cultural service. We participate in a cultural service of... Uh, awakening our culture to certain aspects of, of 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 life and of seeing and of hearing and of experiencing but nonetheless okay back to the story so i take this waking dream that i wrote down to my mentor sharon labelle who i'm now extremely honored to be working with and i'm absolutely going to be making introductions to you guys because she's the wisest person i know oh we look forward that. to that um, absolutely She's a beautiful human being. Um, but nonetheless, I take this waking dream to Sharon and I say, Sharon, take a look at this. What the hell's going on here? Please tell me something that I don't know. <laughs> um, and she just says, wow, you have to keep on writing this. You have to keep on writing this. And I say, okay, cool. I'm going to push on this direction. And over the next few months, I start writing poetry and prose this very strange narrative about this young poet who wishes upon a star for wisdom and then begins to in many ways spar with the sage of his soul and uh almost what i would say for those who are familiar with the kind of classical philosophies of ancient greece and rome it's 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 almost like i was sparring with my daemon you know mm -hmm. uh the 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 uh, <laughs> the inner light that shines the spark of divinity within me that you know is is guiding me towards deeper wisdom and deeper understanding and that just happened over those few months and what ended up you know coming to place was the the poet and the sage mm. and i stood back and i looked at it and i thought okay well i guess i'm a poet now <laughs> you know like the, it, it, and and so it's not the book i thought i'd write but it's the book that i had to write i couldn't write anything else it's just what came out onto the page and i'm so honored that this has happened because i i i now have just fallen in love with the poetic uh, experience i guess and now, you know, I've, I've got the poet and the sage. I've got about 150 more poems to release over the next few years. I've got a couple of books in the waiting for when this one is, <laughs> you know, ready to move on. And so it's, it's just been a crazy experience of self-discovery and learning that that's just what I am. It's who I am.
It's it's uh, as if you were the marble statue that uh, you know had to chip away until the angel appeared. Exactly, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. That's yeah. the that poet was inside. The, the poet was inside. It just needed to come out. Uh, question. So about the book, just a. Is it one poem all the way through, or is it is the poet and the sage several poems that all relate to one another? So it kind of goes between separate poems and uh, a series of prose. You know, okay. so there is, you know, there are poems spoken by the poet, and then there's po- poems spoken by the narrator, and then there's prose that tells the tells the whole narrative and it's uh the the funny thing is and and you guys will appreciate this uh another thing that it did for me other than bringing me into a deeper relationship with my dad because i really understood okay you guys you and mom you passed this on to me there's something within me that is is poetic and that comes from my dad but it also really woke me up to how little i understand about the tradition of my youth mormonism right which you guys are familiar with because i i grew up as a mormon and what started to happen when i wrote this book was i started writing in archaic language the same Mm. as the king james bible okay and that was not a choice it just started to happen right and i thought well, I'm just going to let this happen, right? And that tends to be the style of my poetry now is, is writing with the these and the thines mm-hmm. and thous and uh, woodst and shutst and all this sort of stuff. And so, <laughs> I love um, it. <laughs> but that just, it just woke me up to how much of an impact that upbringing and th- those genetics within me from, from my ancestors in the religion have on me. It's so funny because it just bubbled up from the depths of my soul and that's yeah. just how it came out and so I thought wow I've got a lot to learn and uh, I will say that writing the poet and the sage and a few other kind of epiphanies throughout the last couple of years is what led me to now studying a master of divinity you know studying the bible and really trying to get a deeper understanding of exactly what is in there and how it can be potentially useful and I'm, I'm going into this master of divinity completely open-minded I'm not I'm not sold yet but i'm also not closed off to being sold you know i i'm i really just want to know whether there is something there there's a um book so daniel pink writes on to sell as human and in there he referenced a book that uh is impro improvisation for the theater which you may be familiar with being in your but in, in impro, one of the the reason why I go that path is because I was actually studying sales, and this one brought me over to the impro. And I've been in theater before, and love theater. Improvisation, not my strong suit, however, something that was always attracted. And in impro, improvisation for theater, it teaches about two principles. One is the accept principle, and the other is the block principle. And whenever improvisationists get on the stage. If one of them starts off with something and then the next person blocks that, it's very difficult to progress the scene. Whereas on the other way, if whatever is offered to the individual that's on stage accepts it, then what happens is there's this real burgeoning scene and beautiful um, prose that starts to come out of it. But it has to go with accepting first. And I think that that's one of the things that's difficult for many of us is to accept what comes, which is what it sounds like you did. You you got to this place where you're like, I need to accept whatever's coming. Like, for example, the poetry, whatever's coming out of you, you're just going to accept that and move forward with it. 
And that then provides you an opportunity to see many different avenues and make a conscious choice as to which of those avenues you want to go down. With I mean, is yeah. that characterizing it correctly? Certainly. I mean, any artist has to learn how to let go and accept what is happening in this specific moment. And it's funny, that also relates to the philosophy of Stoicism, interestingly enough, because in Stoicism, there is this idea that all there is is right now stop thinking about what's going to happen next just think about what is the appropriate decision to make right now look at the situation make your decision based on what you see there but in in artistry it is a matter of just letting go and accepting that it will go in the direction that it goes if you get out of the way mm -hmm. and that's it's uncomfortable at times because some of the things that i write as a poet uh are kind of horrifying and it's like oh my oh oh <laughs> you know what <laughs> you really want me to write that sometimes i find myself saying you really want me to write that okay well you know but you have to kind of accept it and i i have to i have to tell this story from miles davis this is one of my favorite stories from him and it really is a turning point for me so herbie hancock recalls this time when he was playing in the band with Miles Davis. Uh, if, if people don't know Miles Davis, just look him up. I'll, I'll let them go on their own adventure. A brilliant trumpeter. Absolutely. One of the most fantastic. Uh, yes. Just look him up. Definitely. Revolutionary musician, right? Yep. Changed the course of the music industry five or six times, but nonetheless, Herbie is on stage with Miles and he's a kind of young musician and he's, nervous to be there because it's miles davis you know how often do you get to play with miles davis and herbie recalls kind of playing a chord that he knew or he thought was wrong in the wrong time in the wrong place and what he said happened next was he was listening to miles and instead of miles kind of thinking well why'd you play that miles played a note that made his chord right wow. right so Miles was so in touch with this moment, this time, this place, and so open to the experience of what could happen that he was always listening and prepared to make whatever situation happened right and not judging it as wrong. And, you know, this really, this really opened me up to the experience that I should be having as an artist and, and not only as an artist, but in, life in general being open to whatever happens i will do what i can do i'll play the note that i can play to make it right and this also transferred over into my music i'll tell you that i one of one of the big i guess moments for me in the past couple of years was just rediscovering who i am as an artist mm -hmm. because i had this idea that well i'm a jazz trumpeter and singer because that's the degree that I had and that must be what I am but then you know Miles Davis he he kind of got annoyed when people would call him a jazz musician because he was like as soon as you label that then you put me in a box and then people think they know what I am right but the artist by definition is somebody who goes outside of the boxes and pushes the boundaries and, and so he had a real problem with these kinds of labels. And I thought, okay, well, let's think about that. Maybe I'm not a jazz trumpeter or, and singer. Maybe I'm a musician. Okay, well, hang on. Maybe I'm just a creative person in general. 
which certainly tends to be the the case with me i mean that opened my mind to say okay well it makes sense that i'm writing poetry because there's creativity and it transfers okay well in my businesses i need to be creative because it'll transfer okay well you know with everything that i do it, i can allow this creativity to flow through by not putting these boxes around me and, and what ended up happening is i said okay well if i'm just a creative individual and i am a musician uh what instrument do i want to play and i thought I'll tell you this, when I was younger, I loved noodling around on the piano and it was such a joy for me. And, and my parents saw that and they said, great, we'll put him in lessons as they should have, you know, great, put, put your kid into lessons and, you know, allow him to go and learn it even better. But when I went into lessons, it was all about play this note at this point and learn this and let, and I was just, I just wanted to play on the piano and figure figure things out and I actually gave up piano after six lessons. I just hated it. I didn't want to do it anymore. Wow. But I always kept noodling a little bit throughout my life. Not much, not enough to be any sort of uh, artist on the piano. But last year I said, you know what? I'm going to get a piano and I'm going to actually learn piano the way I want to learn it. And I went into the music store and there was a Korg SV32. What is it? Yeah, SV2, that's it. And it was like that Wayne's World moment where you go in there and it's just shining and you say, you know, <laughs> she will yes. be mine. And that day I bought it. It was way too expensive, but I, I'm doing this because I love the piano and I want to learn it. And my approach on the piano ended up being structure and play, meaning I allowed myself to just build a relationship with the piano, to, to learn to love this instrument, learn to truly love the process of playing on this instrument. You know, music should be playful. And so I ended up doing that. And what I noticed, this was so insane to me. After about a year, I recognized that I had practiced piano more in one year than I had practiced singing and trumpet playing in my entire life. And I had a degree in those. Wow. Really? And the reason was because I allowed myself to go on the adventure to, 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 to go outside of the boxes of this is how you have to learn it. And after a year, I, I, I saw incredible changes in my ability on piano. And I recorded my first piano album. It's called Paradisa Suite. And it was just such a revelation to me to say, you know what? Like, I want to play the piano. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to do that because I'm an artist and I can do that. And that's fine. <laughs> and you don't have to fit into these boxes, but allow yourself to go on the adventure. So those are a few things that I kind of learned from Miles Davis anyway. That's beautiful. You know, as I think about that, I think about who you want to be. You know, I, I want to be an artist. I want to be a, a musician. I want to be some of the things that you framed as far as really the aspirational statement of who I want to be. And then with stoicism, looking, okay, if that's who I want to be, what do I need to do right now in this mm -hmm. moment to make this particular decision move forward? Jamie, you had a thought too, I think. Oh, I was just thinking about, I love that as as you started, information changes situations. And to me, as I was listening to all the things that you were talking about, I loved how you changed the way that you gave yourself information, the way that you would think about things. And, and I felt like it was a purposeful and intentional way of looking at it and thinking, okay, I'm a musician. And then, and then learning from other people and thinking, well, 
I don't want to just be put in that box. What else am I? And going further out, which allowed yourself to be expanded to other opportunities. And I've been thinking a ton about this as as we go through and think about, well, who do I want to be? And some people can easily look at it and think, oh, I want to be this and I want to be this and I want to be that. And then other times, I think sometimes it's hard because we look around and, and you think, well, I know this person wants me to be this way and this person wants me to be this way and and this book says I should be this way. And it can be difficult sometimes for people to look at it and be like, well, who do I want to be? And so I've just been fascinated with this exploration of you being able to say, okay, I'm going to explore who I want to be and doing that through being accepting. And so love the piano story where you look back and you're like, I loved piano. And I loved what you said where you're like, of course my parents put me in lessons because that's exactly what I would do. But I also love recognizing that children learn so differently and that some children need that structure and other children would totally like what you said where you're like, that just kind of turned me off. And to be able to go back and find out I'm such a huge, strong proponent of people and children specifically finding out and understanding how you learn like what speaks Mm. to you what's going to interest you what's going to excite you and then finding a way to learn in that way and your piano story I feel like exactly exhibits that that you're able to look back and say I love piano but I don't necessarily like lessons in fact I kind of hate lessons so much that they'll make me stop playing piano and recognizing that and being like, but I actually love piano and I want to go and learn how to play piano. So I'm going to go figure that out. And we live in a time where there are so many resources and ways to go and figure things out for yourself, what works for you and and who Mm, you want to be and how how that's going to work for you. And I love that you have spent so much intentional time really looking at yourself and understanding that for yourself. And then Jeff, like you said, the accepting and the blocking. It's huge. It is huge. When when Jeff came and talked to me about what he was reading in that book, that really changed a lot of things for me to recognize. I started looking around and thinking, what things am I accepting and what things am I blocking? And started to recognize how many things I block, how many things I'm, I don't allow. And, and, and what you said, just being able to accept where we are in this moment and and look at that moment and be like okay what am i seeing right now and not blocking it is really really significant and i think it can i'm almost done i think it can go (laughs) (laughs) i think it also carries out into the way that you see people when you are willing to be accepting and i hear like accepting of yourself and accepting of the things that you're learning about yourself it makes it much more easier to look around and to be accepting of other people as well. What I want to do is just pause here for a minute and just look at the streaking methodology so that for for our listeners, what we, as we talk about streaking, streaking is doing something consecutively and consistently to become who you want to be. And in Simon's story right here and what he's done in his life is the essence of streaking. I want to be a musician. I want to be an individual who, for example, uses this instrument, the piano, to be able to express myself. And then one of the things that you said, and you did without, and a lot, what we found with very successful and highly accomplished people is this is what they do, is they set a streak, but it's not really one that they say out loud. But I would bet that when you decided to experience the piano and really become one with it, that 
you practiced every single day. Now, it may not have been called practicing in your mind, but it was you were experiencing the piano every single day. And when you do that, when when you consecutively, consistently experience that, that is directly aimed at who you want to become or what you want to become with that particular area there. And, yeah. and so I just wanted to pause a minute so that as as you're thinking about this, fellow streakers, think about it in the sense of, and I, all the stories that you've been telling, you've been discovering who you want to be, and then you do things consecutively and consistently to become that person. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have a, I, I, please. Ahead, yeah. Jump in. I have a question for Simon. So as people are going along, what advice would you give to people who are starting out on this journey and asking themselves the question, who do I want to be? Like, where would mm. they start? How would they, and how would you help people to understand how to be more accepting and how to be, as you said, I loved what you said, how art has to go through you, how to let some of that stuff go through you, those thoughts go through you to, to really take the time to discover who do I want to be? Yeah, I, I have a few things to say on that. It, so the, the, the words that we're using here, who do you want to be? I, I would personally change that to let's discover who you are. Okay. Not who like, just personally that's been the adventure that I've been going on because there's this there's this principle in stoicism that is so so interesting and powerful it's that the, the what the stoics if they are true stoics are always aiming at is living in agreement with nature one of the things that that means is okay well there's the nature of the whole which is kind of the same logos that they talk about in the Bible. Christ was the word, which was translated from uh, uh, logos or in the beginning was the word from logos. But then there's your individual nature. And that's, that's just who you are. That's the thing. Who knows again, the mysteries of what we're drawn to, what really makes us alive inside, you know, the, the certain things that we move towards in life. And so I've been on that adventure of trying to live in agreement, in alignment with my own nature. And so when, when I think about say piano, you know, there are many instruments that I might want to play. I have to play the piano because it's who I am. Right. Uh, when it comes to philosophical mentoring, like I have to do that because it, it's something that deeply within me i'm drawn to working with people in a kind of mentorship capacity when it comes to writing the poet and the sage that was as i said it's not the book i wanted to write it's the book i had to write because it's just who i was it's just what came out on the on the page and so uh, th there's this exercise that jordan peterson mentions which is so powerful he says spend a week trying to watch yourself as if you don't know who you are, right? Mm -hmm. Just try to drop any sort of, you know, it's, it's hard to do, but, you know, try to drop any sort of preconceptions about, well, this is what I'm doing and this is what I'm doing and this is why I do this and this is why. No, just watch yourself. What interests you? What are you willing to spend a whole bunch of time on and what do you avoid? You know, what things call out to you? What things kind of repress you, right? And, and, after a week, you have such a sense of wow, you know. I, that's that's what I did when I was when I bought this piano. I had it here, and I found that over a few weeks, I was so 
engrossed in the kind of busyness of life. And I was always, you know, on my computer doing this and doing that and working away and, uh, you know, trying to climb certain ladders. And, and then I thought, okay, I'll watch myself as if I don't know who I am. What are the things that I can definitely do? And it just takes my mind into a different place. I found over that week that I could sit at the piano for like six hours and, you know, just, and I was like, Oh, (laughs) that's who I am. That's who I am. And same with poetry. I can just write and write and write and it's, 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 it's comfortable. And, 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 and I feel at home in that, in that environment. And so that's who I am. And then, you know, I, I love the philosophical mentoring. So that's who I am. And I love sharing with people, uh, you know, my own philosophical discoveries. So, so I think for people who are trying to figure out their direction in life, I'd encourage them to go on the adventure, not of forcing yourself in a certain direction that you may may think is the right direction but i would say first take the time to do the deeper internal work of figuring out who are you what what look that's a lifelong i like what what seneca said and i say this to every single one of my my first time uh, uh mentoring clients seneca he had such a beautiful way of teaching because he said, don't look at me as if I'm telling you, this is how you should live. And this is how you should live. And this is what you should do. No, no, no. I'm a sick person in the same hospital as you trying to get better. And we're both talking about how we can get better together. That's his approach. And that's my approach with my podcast with my mentoring is I'm going on the adventure. I'm trying at all times to yield to deeper wisdom when it presents itself to me. And sometimes I fail at that. I'll call upon Jim Rohn again. He says, listen to my words, but don't watch me too closely. I (laughs) fail all the time. But what people do see in my adventure is hopefully a person who is at least seeking deeper wisdom at all times and trying to embody that in, in, in my life. And that's the adventure that I want other people to go on really is don't, don't assume that you know exactly who you are, what direction you should go, but perhaps give yourself some space to explore just who are you as a person? What are you drawn to? I love that. What I see and hear and what I appreciate is there's a growth model that uh, we'll sometimes use that talks about who I am right now. And until I really see and understand who I am, I there there really isn't necessarily any progress that I'm going to be able to make because I don't know who that person is. And stepping back and having the opportunity to be present in the moment or stepping outside your body and looking at yourself and saying, who am I and what is it that I'm drawn to and what are the different things that I enjoy and what do I get lost in? What are, what are those areas? What you then say and what I see as well is I start to gravitate toward and then also consciously and intentionally do the things that are going to promote that particular person because the other thing that i heard and you didn't say it but this is one of the things i heard is you said you know what is the instrument that i choose to play this is a little while back in there Mm. and i thought you know one of the instruments that you picked up and started playing was the pencil or the Mm -hmm. pen and you know that that is a neat thing to think about is that instrument now became something where you could also express yourself right along with other instruments that made different types of music yeah yeah i I think you're exactly right and you know 
again, part of this comes down to the kind of cultural service that I'm trying to provide to people, which <laughs> trying to provide, you know, it's, it's kind of just an adventure that's unfolding, I guess, is trying to show people that, you know, we, we live in a time of, there's a lot of folly out there. <laughs> there's a lot of folly. And, you know, to if we truly are practicing philosophy, philosophy literally means love of wisdom. You know, it comes from the Greek philo, meaning love, and mm -hmm. sophia, meaning wisdom. So if we're practicing philosophy, we're seeking, we're loving wisdom. That's what we're doing. Wisdom should teach us what to seek and what to avoid. You know, and so if I and, and and you know this as Mormons, so much of it is about what what is the what are the higher and higher levels of our consciousness that we are yielding to, right? You might say, okay, well, at the highest, you might have God, okay, like God is my source of wisdom in life, right. and I'm going to listen to the promptings of the providential whole God, the cosmos, whatever you call it. I, I, I don't care what you call it. It's like developing a deeper relationship with that, 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 that wisdom that who knows when and how it pops into our minds, but we have to be attentive. We have to be open. We have to be receptive to wisdom when it is presented to us. And so I'm trying to get people to go on that adventure of uh, let's, open our minds as much as we possibly can to receiving deeper wisdom for our lives so that we can perhaps combat this folly that we see so much of in the world, but not in a finger pointing way, but in our own lives and say, well, let's, let's go on that adventure within us and say, it's not simply about motivation or it's not simply about go and do exactly what you want to do. It's, it's about, well, what are you aiming at? Mm. What are you aiming at? And, and that's, as much as that is a process of saying, well, I should aim at this or I should aim at that. It's also a process of letting go and saying, well, what am I naturally aiming at? What am I being pulled towards? And, and can I feed that? Can I nourish that so that that garden grows and I can pull out the weeds as we go along and, you know, hopefully something beautiful comes of it. And so I, I try not to be uh woo-woo in a sense with all of this but very practical and just say you know make sure that the hierarchy within your soul is wisdom first <laughs> seek deeper wisdom yeah. and you guys know this one of the one of the this is i'll, I'll say this and then i'll let you speak because i know i'm rambling here but one of the passages from the bible that always stuck out from me uh, for, from my i guess theological education in the mormon church when i was growing up was I believe it's that passage from James. If, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. And, uh, you know, let him ask in faith, nothing wavering for he that wavereth, wavereth is like a wave upon the sea driven by the wind and tossed. And within that passage, there is kind of a question. And the question is, do you really know how to seek wisdom? Like, do, do you know? And, and are you doing it? Can you do it? And it's a challenge because the challenge is kind of like asking faith, nothing wavering, nothing. Mm -hmm. Right. And right. I don't think that as modern human beings, I mean, when was the last time we even heard the term wisdom, <laughs> you right. know, like, like when was the last time we actually thought I'm going to truly seek wisdom for my life right now, nothing wavering. I'm going to ask for it. 
And I'm and and part of asking for it is saying, well, if I receive it, I'm going to act on it. So I'm such a failed human being in this regard because I fail all the time. But what I'm trying to do is improve my batting average right. <laughs> so that over time I get closer and closer to receiving that wisdom in a way that I can then share with other people and hopefully they come along on the adventure. And I, as you're thinking, I don't know how you would define wisdom, but my definition has always been a combination of knowledge and experience. And, and that can be knowledge I get often from reading books or listening to other people and then experience, I feel like comes from both my own experience and then listening to other people's experiences. And, mm. and so as I look at that, I think embracing that opportunity to learn and, and as you're saying, you know, I'm a flawed human being. I think anytime we want to contribute out there, we become aware of our own flaws and don't want to be judged on the things that we're saying because what we're saying is true, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we're living it perfectly. But I've, I've loved that, and I think you've, it seems to me that you kind of feel the same way, is that as we contribute and as we seek out and learn from other people, we're gaining more of that wisdom in our life. and and then being able to act upon it, which I'm not always 100% great at doing, but I'm learning and progressing and being able to learn for myself. And that to me is the empowering opportunity of mm. wisdom is being able to see what I'm learning from the things I'm reading and then also what I'm learning from my own experiences and then what I'm seeing in other people's experiences as well and, mm. and learning from that and, and not being so tossed to and fro by everything that can be out there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that your definition of, of, of wisdom is, is certainly, uh, it's helpful to think about that, you know, knowledge and experience. I would, you know, the experience is kind of applied knowledge, right? Yes. But I, I really, I really like the ancient stoic definition of wisdom. The funny thing about all of these words is like their definitions change over time. And part of the adventure that we go on when we kind of dig our roots back into the past, into history and philosophy and theology and all these beautiful, uh, uh, you know, authors and thinkers is we're trying to get to the bottom of something that is just so expansive. And part of the way that we do that is we take a look at how they defined these certain words and to the stoics, there are a couple of definitions there to the Stoics. Wisdom was a knowledge of what to move towards, what to move away from and what to neither move towards or away from. Yeah. So oh, to the okay. Stoics, it was like virtue. That's what we're going towards. Okay. Vice. That's what we're trying to avoid. Everything else is indifferent, meaning money. It's neither good nor bad. It can be blended with virtue and it kind of, becomes good although it will never be good uh or it can be blended with vice you know and, and that's the same with everything external to your in your character and your own actions in in your life but i also like their definition where they say that wisdom is a knowledge of things human and divine and knowledge again meaning applied knowledge it cannot just be information in your head it has to be applied in your life but that's a definition that I'm currently on the adventure of trying to figure out that, you know, knowledge of things, human and divine, and that's divine. a deep, deep, deep yeah. <laughs> well, well of information <laughs> that I have to sift through to learn exactly what they meant by that. But there's so much there, but I just, I love this, you know, 
Jim Rohn, he said, the thing about motivation is if you motivate an idiot, then what have you got? You've just got a motivated idiot and that's no good for anybody, right? <laughs> He's right, right? Yeah, He's yeah, exactly true. right. Exactly. Okay, so so it's not about motivation, right? Mm-hmm. It's about your aims. What are you aiming at? And so that's where the Stoics really were, mm-hmm. were profound in their knowledge. That it's all about aims. Wisdom is what are you moving towards? All right, figure that out first <laughs> right. you know, before everything else. Because otherwise you're just, you know, Seneca, he said, if, if you don't know which port you're sailing to, then no wind is favorable. You're just going to be swept around by the winds of life. First, figure out what you're aiming at. Right, all right. So that's, 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 that's wisdom to them. Yeah. It's uh, it brings up when we were researching and looking at and considering streaking, one of our friends said to us, well, are you doing things just, just to get it done? In other words, just to keep the streak alive, to keep things going in that direction. And what we had to do is do like what you just said is take a step back and say, yeah, why are we doing this? What are we aiming at? What is it that we're going for and moving toward in order to become either who we want to be or in your definition, and I appreciate it as well, to discover who I am and who I'm drawn uh, and what I'm drawn to and then do those things because that opens up a whole vista of opportunity from the artist all the way to the zoologist, all of those things start to open up and many people in all their many different walks of life are drawn to all kinds of different things, but really taking the opportunity to consider who I am, what I'm drawing to, really then will bring color and life to light. And I think there's something else about this as well and it's it refers to our conversation. We have to also be willing to accept who we are because I can block that as well. I can block and say, well, someone else has said that that's not acceptable to be a jazz musician. That's not acceptable. That's not something that's there. But if that's who you are and who you're, what you're drawn to, or as a pianist, you know, how can you ever expect to make a living being a pianist or doing those things? Again, I'm now blocking some of those things that really are inside of who I am and, and I'm drawn to And therefore, I think at that moment, once I do block those, I do block a portion of happiness that can come into my life and a a portion of the virtue to which I want to gravitate. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's it's so difficult, right? Because I understand that not everybody is in the position in their life that I may be in right now where I have an opportunity, a window of opportunity to explore and to really dig into a few things that perhaps are not financially viable at all but nonetheless i have the potential to play a little bit and then to see you know what direction that takes me and so you know if you've got a a single mother out there who's working two jobs taking care of you know two kids and uh, you know listening to me say go out there explore you see who you are and it's it's, it's like man you know there's it's, it's kind of a slap in the face right i mean but but what i would say is that we need to also have wisdom about the way that we approach uh, uh seeking these aims and the and and wisdom about okay well what's the situation that i find myself in right now uh not that we can't dream and expand our potential horizons for our for our life but nonetheless being very practical about, okay, well, how much can I dedicate this to this right now? And something that I often say to my clients is, you know, they'll, 
we might be developing a habit or let, let's say they want to get into shape. And so they're wanting to uh, maybe go for a run for half an hour a day, but you know, today they were very busy and they just didn't have a chance to do it. And I said, well, did you have five minutes spare? Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I actually had about 10 minutes spare. I just didn't have half an hour to go for my, run. okay. Well, could you have gone outside and gone for a five minute walk around the block? Right. Could, could you have done just that? Well, yeah, I guess I could have done that. Okay, well, see, in our minds, we so often play the trick of thinking, well, because I don't have all of this time to do all of the stuff that I want to do, I might as well just not do it, right? But I mean, if you're wanting to pick up an instrument or if you're wanting to uh, learn a new skill, go in a new direction of your life, it's not about how much time you can dedicate. Just start today with a, whatever time you can give to it you are speaking yep. our streaking language totally because <laughs> one right. of the things we talk about is make it laughably simple and in yeah. fact if you are wanting to explore for example what you said uh instrument or whatever play at least one note today play at least one note on the piano and consecutively do that and through time that floor will be something on which you stand to discover who you are and as you discover who you are, you'll continue to develop. What we, we, we get away from the whole time idea because time is a, what I look at is, uh, I'm gonna say a man-made um, measurement. It's something that, you know, the clock moves in a certain direction, everything else, well, that, that was, that was man-made. The only time that we really have as far as measurement is concerned is the going down of the sun and the coming up of the moon. I mean, night and day, those type of things. And so get away from time and go to activity. And activity can be as simple as one note on the piano. And you know what? I played that one note. I think I may play a few more, but consistently and consecutively do that. And then as you do that, as you basically fill your time with the activity that you want to do, then you're really progressing to who you want to be. Yeah, 100%. And I think sometimes, I think sometimes we that's hard for us to do because these things that we want are really important to us. And we feel like, well, if it's important to me, then I should make more time or I should have put more effort into it. And so, cause I've asked myself so often, why is it easier to do nothing than it is to do just something little if I can't do the big thing that I had in my head? And I thought about that a lot. I'm like, why am I okay? And, and so many of us, okay to just do nothing. And I think it's that, that feeling that because this is important, I want to give it, the, the energy and the justice that it's due um, instead of, you know, and, and doing something small feels like I'm saying it's not important, but I think it's actually the opposite that doing something small consistently shows that it is important to you, that you're willing to do even a little bit every day to keep it going. And that, and then once you get started, oftentimes you do so much more. Um, but even if you didn't, you still that day said, oh, this is important to me. And I did take that in your example, five minutes, and, and I made this a part of my life today, and, uh, and I'm going to do it again tomorrow. Simon, this conversation has been absolutely dynamic. We have enjoyed having you uh, with us on our streaking show. Just as we close up here, what uh, just, just give us as far as next book that's going to be out, and then also just any, any additional thoughts as far as in relation to the conversation uh, what you would give as recommendations to any of our listeners out there as they start this journey. Sure. Yeah. So, <clears throat> oh man, I think the, I really align with what you guys talk about in terms of 
rediscovering what what it is that you're aiming at rediscovering who who you are um and this is actually an exercise that it's funny timing that we're talking today because literally today i'm finishing up designing a a six-day course that people can take for free on the walled garden which is all aimed around giving people questions to think about that will allow them to expand their their mind to take in more information about who they are and what direction they might want to go in their life. Because over the past three or four years of I've been as I've been doing philosophical mentoring with people, the first exercise that I give every single one of them is to write out their personal ideal, taking a look at your your family and relationships, your spirituality and religion, your uh, your cultural uh, contribution or your contribution to your community, your health and fitness, uh, you know, all these different areas of your life that are really build the life puzzle for you and saying, who would I be in these areas of my life? What would I like to aim at? And so, uh, man, I, I, I guess it's just, to me, it's interesting that I'm just finishing that course today and we're speaking now. So I'm going to make the, if people want to go to the walledgarden.com, um, on the world garden if you go to the store you can get my book the poet and the sage and i would love to see what people think of this this book it is a wild ride but hopefully a transformative one and i'll make people an offer there as well if if they get the book and if they read it i'll sit down with them for an hour on zoom uh, after they read it and have a conversation about what they took away from it how it perhaps changed their mind um and I'm going to send you guys the link if you don't mind. Uh, that would be wonderful. Be we'll put it put right it in our show notes. It's so Absolutely. aligned with what you're doing. And so, yes. um, but yeah, I just, I hope people uh, can really think about what it is that they're aiming at in their life and perhaps Absolutely. think about the power that wisdom could play in their lives if they were seeking that first as an all-encompassing kind of director of their lives. Wonderful. Well, Simon, thank you so much for joining us today. You know, from this, Jamie, I took uh, quite a few things here, but as far as just a couple of things I think that we can take away for our streakers, one of the things that I looked at is, first of all, your first story of information changes situations. And boy, did we get a lot of information today that can change the situation of life. The other thing that I, I saw is this whole idea of rather than looking at the aspirational self that I want to be, discovering who I am and what the aspirations are that are already inside of me, I just have covered them up. Jamie, any any others that you looked at and saw? That was my takeaway too, was the, the who am I now? And discovering a lot of what you talked about, I thought about the gifts that we're all given and discovering what gifts do I have, what's inside there, and, and how can I continue to help that grow as I as I decide who I want to be starting with well who am i right now and then and then loved really loved talking about wisdom and and defining that that was very enjoyable for me so streakers as you have the opportunity we will put in the show notes as we mentioned there that uh, simon's link and his generous offer to get the book and uh, after reading the book he will set up something with you via Zoom to be able to discuss with him with it. And, and I'm I'm looking forward to that as well. I'm going to be uh, looking at uh, getting the book and also setting up this time, even though we've had this time together. Um, and then, Streakers, the app has been upgraded and you will be seeing that very soon as far as what you can do setting your own B statement. 
and looking at your B statement and then following having your streaks right along with that. So you'll be seeing that very soon if you don't have the app already. It's streaking, S-T-R-E-A-K-I-N-G, and it's at the Apple App Store at or at Google Play. As always, if you want to talk with Jamie or I, please do so at... Give us an email at Jeffrey, J-E-F-F-E-R-Y at streakingmastery.com or Jamie at J-A-M-I at streakingmastery.com. You can also find us on the website, streakingmastery.com or in any of our places of social media, which we have several of them. Well, until we talk next time, enjoy the rest of your day and keep streaking. It's the little things that